Welcome to another episode of the Work Hard, Play Hard podcast. My name is Rob Murgatroyd, and each week on this podcast, I talk to some of the most fascinating people on the planet in all areas of life, from mindset to fitness to spirituality, and of course, business. Look, I believe you deserve success in all the areas of your life, not only business. But before we get into today's show, you may want to join us on our next Work Hard, Play Hard experience. This year, we're going to be going to Mykonos and Marrakesh. In these experiences, I have hand-selected a group of high-performing business people who are seeking more balance, connection, and they want to celebrate their wins as a reward for the hard work that they put in. If you want someone to curate once-in-a-lifetime experiences and force you to play more, rush over to workhardplayhardexperience.com. Fill out an application so we can jump on a discovery call to see if this is a good fit for you. And remember, excuses are over. It's time to live. You know, happy muscles don't hurt. You know, so if you go in and you lie on the hip hook and you don't feel much, then that muscle's happy. <laughs> if you feel, if it feels really intense when you lie on the hip hook, then that muscle's not happy and needs your attention. When I talk about prolonged pressure, we're talking about resolving muscle tension that is not relaxing when you're relaxed. So when you lay down on your back and you're in your bed, there's absolutely no muscle in your body that should be working. <laughs> the whole point of laying down, right, is to give everything a break. I don't have any background in this, but all the things that I've learned along the way have really satisfied my quench for, for knowledge, you know, and learning new things. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Work Hard, Play Hard show. Today on the show is Christine Koth. Okay. This show is all about fulfillment, right? Which means feeling good. But if you have any sort of back or hip pain or anything like that, then you know what I'm talking about. Feeling good is not easy when you're in pain. So in this episode, you're going to hear an interview that I did with Christine Koff. Christine is a physical therapist and the best-selling author of the book, Tight Hip Twisted now, the reason I wanted her on the show is twofold. First, she created a product called the Hip Hook, the Hip Hook, that gets access to a muscle called the iliacus. Now, it doesn't matter. You, you could barely, I could barely spell it. It doesn't matter what the iliacus is. What matters is that the iliacus is inside of your pelvis and really, really difficult to get to. You're not going to get to it yourself, and a physical therapist who is unaware of how to get to it is going to have trouble. So she created this hip hook, and the reason why you want to go after this iliacus is because it's responsible for a ton of back and hip problems. So because it's so difficult to get to, she came up with an idea. She said, what if I were to create this hook that you can sort of like lie on and hooks into this iliacus? Now, I got to tell you, I've been using this hip hook. It's it's just coming out now. At the, at the time this airs, it should be just out. It is transformative if you have hip or back pain. Now, I also wanted her on the show because she's an entrepreneur. She saw a problem that needed a solution and she went straight after solving it and she created the hip hook. So, 
Please enjoy this episode with Christine Koff. Christine, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. I am super freaking excited that you're here because this show, this show is called Work Hard, Play Hard, and it is all about fulfillment. And to enjoy fulfillment, you got to feel good. And you have created an ingenious product that can help people who are suffering from back pain, hip pain, and some other related symptoms, which we're going to get into. So I'm really excited that you're going to, that you're here, uh, because seven out of 10 Americans right now are suffering from some sort of back related pain. So with that intro, welcome officially to the show. Thank you. You are welcome. All right. Before we get into what you created, I'd like to turn the clock back and take you back to growing up in the Midwest. Great people. I was just in Wisconsin actually uh, last week for the first time. A lot of farms. A lot <laughs> um, of farms. <laughs> a lot of farms. And we all have you know moments that shape our life. And one of those moments for you was a letter that you wrote to your dad to quit smoking. In what ways did his reaction to that letter shape what you're doing professionally today? Well, it was really interesting because when you're young, you're you're naive, you know, and I've always been an extremely optimistic person, you know, rainbows and unicorns and mm-hmm. <laughs> and all of that. And when I was a, a young child, you know, I just thought that the world was a beautiful place and that people were all great people, including my parents, you know. And and so, you know, I I thought, you know, if people are armed with information, with the correct information, they'll make the right choice. And in this particular situation, I had learned um, in sixth grade all about the dangers of, of smoking and drugs and alcohol. And empowered with that knowledge, I brought it home to my dad, you know, thinking if I gave him this information, he would have the knowledge he needs to be able to make the right choice, you know, and choose to stop smoking. Mm-hmm. So, you know, enthusiastically, I brought this information back to him. And, you know, he kindly, you know, said, well, this is thank you, you know, (laughs) thank you for sharing this with me, but no, thank you. I'm not going to quit smoking. And it was like, you know, complete cognitive dissonance. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I was like, what? You know, you have this information and you're not going to use it and you're going to choose to do something that's going to harm you. And and ultimately it killed him. You know, he ultimately, ultimately died from that. And so you know, it really set me on this path of of really like seeking to try to understand, number one, how the body works and how I can choose to, you know, do something maybe different than the way that my dad was choosing to live his life, but also really trying to study how I can motivate people to take care of themselves, you know, because I wasn't able to motivate my father. So I was like, well, what does it take to give people the right tools and the right inspiration to want to make those life changes, you know, so, you know, being super curious about the body and about, um, you know, learning the psychology of human beings has, has, was, you know, really initiated from that moment. Yeah, for sure. It was a defining moment. You know, my, uh, my dad also smoked, uh, three packs of lucky strikes a day from God, when he was 16 years old. 
And he said the same thing your dad did. I'm going to die of something. But I don't think he, and he obviously eventually wound up dying of, uh, of a smoking related uh, situation. But there, you know, like yours, there was, no, there was no talking to him. And it was a different time and it was a different place. And people today are taking much more responsibility for their health. And so when I see things like uh, what we're about to get into with what you created, you know, I, I hesitate. I hesitate to call it a hack because it's it's way beyond a hack. But it is such an efficient way of solving uh, solving an issue. So let's let's dig into that. If we fast forward a bit, you decided to become a physical therapist, and you noticed that there was a direct link to tightness in the hip flexor. A lot of people are familiar with what a hip flexor is. And that tightness in the hip flexor actually winds up or potentially can wind up causing pain in lots of places all over the body. And you got really good at releasing tension in a muscle that's called the iliacus. And I'm sure we're going to get into that as well, which is inside of the hip and not easy to reach. All right. So with that, can you take me back to the first moment that somebody said, wow, you worked on my iliacus. They probably didn't say that, but you worked on my iliacus and I feel amazing. Take me back to when you made that first link. You know, surprisingly, this very first link happened right out of college. I've been practicing physical therapy for over 20 years. And, you know, as this motivated, you know, type A, you know, excited, you know, just graduated PT school, got my first job, you know, really trying to do the best job I could with each of my clients, um, I ended up having this, this wonderful woman come into my office. She was a school teacher and she also loved to run, you know, as a hobby. She was doing marathons and, you know, loved long distance running. And she came in to see me with kneecap pain, you know, patellofemoral pain right in the front of her knee. And I, you know, was being a good girl and like looking at her entire body and looking at her posture. And I noticed that there was a rotation in the way that she was standing. So I got her on the table and was poking around, um, trying to figure out why she was rotated in her hip. And maybe that was related to why she was having knee pain. Um, and one of the techniques that I had learned from one of my mentors uh, that I was lucky enough to have right out of school was to look for the psoas, you know, to really examine whether the psoas was tight. Now, the psoas is one of the hip flexor muscles, and that is deeper in your abdomen. So if you were to draw a line from the front of your hip bone to your belly button, the psoas would be halfway in between there and about maybe an inch or two in maybe, maybe probably two inches deep into your body. So with my novice hands, I'm digging around, you know, looking for this psoas muscle. And I was a little nervous digging into somebody's abdomen, right? But then, you know, I started moving a little bit closer to the bone towards the outside of the body. And I noticed that right inside the pelvic bone, there was this other tight muscle. <laughs> and I was like, woo, what is that? You know, I look up in my anatomy book. Oh, that's the iliacus. Okay, well, I feel more comfortable touching that muscle because it's not so deep. So I went and put my put prolonged pressure using my fingers. And the, you know, the, the client, my patient was just like, wow, that's so tight. I never knew that muscle was even there. You know, she was just thrilled that I had found something that no one else had found. 
And lo and behold, once I put pressure on that muscle and it released, she could lie flat on the table, which she wasn't unable, she was unable to do before. She got up, her pelvis was no longer rotated. She was able to do a squat without knee pain and then subsequently went on a run without any pain. So I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm pretty good. You know, being a little novice PT, I was pretty impressed with myself. Yeah, right. So that really started the trajectory of me looking at that muscle and how it was impacting nearly everyone that came into my office from that point forward. And that's how I started to develop and really understand this pattern of how, how this muscle and tension in this muscle impacts the rest of the body. You know, I was listening to a Howard Stern interview with Alec Baldwin, um, I guess maybe last month, and he was late for the show and Howard said, why are you late? You know, what's more important? He was joking with him. You know, what's more important than me? And he said, I had to get my iliacus work done. And Howard Stern says, what the hell is an iliacus? And he explained it to him. He said, I have to go three times a week. Uh, it's the only thing that solves my back issues. I've got somebody that works on that. And then I saw your... Uh, your product, which we're going to talk about in a bit, that was targeted specifically towards that muscle. And I said, this is interesting. So this is the, the you know, whenever I hear something two times, I always pay attention because I feel like it's a, <laughs> a whisper from the universe. So I looked into it more and then that's how we wound up connecting. But I want to ask you about the pressure that you put on the iliacus. So for people that don't understand, you, you, you make some uh, beautiful distinctions. And I've, uh, I will talk about when I record the intro uh, for this episode, I'll talk about your book, Tight Hip Twisted Core, which is excellent. And I've been reading it in prep for this, uh, this interview. Uh, and you talk about, you know, the difference between everybody just calling everything tight, you know, my muscles are tight. And that's really not the case. There's a lot of there's a lot of other words that are associated with that. But the question I have for you is the, the iliacus, I, I would assume, becomes shortened as you are doing different activities, sitting, running, et cetera. And that shortening creates pain. Well, you probably can stretch out your hip flexors. You could probably stretch out your psoas. You could probably go to somebody maybe to even kind of dig into the iliacus. But the goal is really to lengthen that iliacus, I would suspect. And my question is, when you talk about putting pressure in the example that you just gave on somebody's iliacus, can you explain exactly why holding a painful point for a few minutes or so will help it release and maybe even describe what a release is? Like what's happening there? Yeah, absolutely. This is one of my my favorite topics to talk about because like you said, there's so many ways that we use these words tight and you know, there's not really a lot of clarity around that. So, when you think about a muscle, a muscle is designed to contract and then relax. And what can happen is for various reasons that I talk about in my book that a muscle can can choose to contract and stay contracted. And it can be the entire muscle that chooses to stay contracted. It can be a portion of the muscle that stays contracted. And this is what we call a muscle knot. And we've all experienced this where, you know, you, someone comes up behind you and grabs your shoulders and you're like, oh, you know, there's, there's a, a tight knot in your shoulders and your, you know, upper, upper trapezius muscle up in your top of your shoulder. That's a very common place that people develop knots. 
And that's what that means is there's a section of the muscle that is holding a contraction and then not relaxing even when you're not using it. So this is different than being tight in a way where you don't have the full range of motion. When we do a stretch, say we're stretching our hamstring muscles by touching the, you know, our, our hands to the ground, touching our toes and standing. You may not be able to touch your toes because your hamstring is not lengthening enough. But then if you stand back up or you go to lie down, your hamstring may completely relax. And that's a, that means that that has no muscle knots or isn't holding tension. So there's two different kind of tight, you know, definitions there. When I talk about prolonged pressure, we're talking about resolving muscle tension that is not relaxing when you're relaxed. So when you lay down on your back and you're in your bed, there's absolutely no muscle in your body that should be working. <laughs> so the whole point of laying down, right, is to give everything a break. Yeah. And if you lie down and there's still muscle tension, that means that that muscle tension exists when you're walking, when you're sitting, when you're driving to work, when you're going for a jog, anything that you're doing, that muscle is holding tension. And this type of tension is what responds well to prolonged pressure. A prolonged pressure means putting pressure on the muscle and holding that for 30 to 90 seconds. If you do it for less, it's not effective. You know, if you're just rubbing it, it's not effective. You really need to put that prolonged pressure on the muscle. And it, it works on a neurological level, meaning that pressure sends a signal to your brain over the period of that 30 to 90 seconds that says, okay, you can relax. You can change this pattern that you've developed, which is holding tension when you don't need to. And it's that neurological connection and that reset that is what produces the results that we're looking for. Okay. So I know it does do that, but do you know why it does that? So why would prolonged pressure trigger the brain to say release? You know, there's a bunch of different kind of, I would call them neurological hacks, <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> using mm -hmm. the hack word, yep. uh, that, that trick the brain into changing its pattern or thinking something is okay. So one of those, for example, is if you are trying to lengthen your hamstring muscle and get it to stretch, if you mm -hmm. contract the opposite muscle, which would be your quad, that basically tells the muscle and the hamstring, the, mus the hamstring muscle, to relax. So if you mm -hmm. contract, you know, the the they call the the you know the antagonist muscle, um, mm -hmm. that's a it's a way to to trick it, the brain. Um, prolonged pressure also just works that way. You know, it's just a way of like the brain saying, okay, I'm going to let this re relax. There's also some things that happen locally as well. So. When you have muscle tension or muscle knots in the body, there's a buildup of minerals. Uh, when minerals like calcium are responsible for causing contraction in a muscle, and when you put pressure on it, it increases the circulation there and helps clean out some of those excess minerals and toxins that have built up in that area, which also helps that muscle locally to release its tension. Okay, got it. Um you created this device called the hip hook, which is this magnificent torture device that <laughs> I don't know what else. Like when I first, I, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you my experience with it here live, which I think will be good feedback for you anyway. I lied on top of it. And the moment I lied on top of it, I was like, 
oh my God, what is this? This hurts, but it hurts so good. I don't want to let... It was this weird mix of get off of me, but don't get off of me. (laughs) I don't know how else to explain it. Yeah. Then following your instructions in your video, you basically say, hang out, let it sit there for a minute. Your body will start to adapt. And it was very, very quick, like 20 seconds quick. And I went, oh, I went from torture to feeling nothing. And then you have a little handle on this baby. And the handle is designed, that's the hook part. The handle is designed for you to sort of like reach around um, in multiple ways if you don't have a lot of shoulder range of motion and press it. And when you press it, it hooks into the inside of the ilium or the pelvis or the hip. And hitting, it hits that iliacus muscle. And then I start to feel that torture thing again. Oh my God, (laughs) this is grueling. And I can literally feel my body going into like, like starting to sweat. Like, you know, when you get pain and it's like somebody's pushing on it, but it doesn't last long. It's pretty quick and you can feel it start to release. Your desire is to do exactly what we talked about earlier, which is to not stay on it and to get off it, but you're not going to affect the change if you do that. So I put a little timer on my iPhone and I just went for, uh, you know, I'm an overachiever. So I went for the 90 (laughs) seconds um, and got up and I was like, whoa, I feel different. And I started walking and I was walking different. It felt like if it felt like more range of motion in my gait, Mm -hmm. which is the only way I, I know how to describe it. So for people that, because you're going to have people that are going to be ordering this for sure. Um, and I want this to serve as a resource for the people, you know, to introduce it, but, but also for the people when they get it to have some tactical things that they can do with it. Yes, absolutely. Um, so one of the things that, that I'm aware of, or, or that I'm, one of the questions that I have is when you are going into the iliacus, you're also hitting the psoas, which I believe is probably inevitable because they're so closely tied that there's even an area called the iliopsoas where they, where they meet together. Are, is the goal of this for you to specifically go after the iliacus or is it for you to also hit the psoas and the iliacus? Well, you described it perfectly what someone would experience. And the the first thing, when you first were lying upon it and you were experiencing that excruciating pain, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> that was addressing your psoas. So okay. the tip, when you first lay directly on it, the tip is going straight up into your body and is pressing directly on your psoas. You know, this tip is designed to be like a human being's thumb. You know, so if you were going into your massage therapist or your, you know, your physical therapist and they were releasing your psoas or your iliacus, this is designed to replicate that. So when you go in initially, like I said, you're, you're addressing the psoas. So I instruct people to give that some time because we want that muscle to have its chance to reduce its tension. Um, these two muscles, the iliacus and the psoas, are actually two separate muscles. They do join together and attach at the same place, but neurologically, they're completely different. You know, the nerve, the nerves that go to the psoas are different than the nerves that go to um, the iliacus. So, 
We need to stop grouping them together. I think this is one of the problems of why iliacus isn't really addressed in the first place. Secondly, when you push on that handle like you described, then you're really pinning that iliacus muscle between the tip of this amazing tool and your your pelvic bone, and that's where you're getting at the iliacus. So you really are you really are addressing both, and both are extremely important to address. Now, as you may have noticed, there's a lot of people, you know, more and more information, talk, you know, people talking about the psoas. And the psoas is absolutely important, you know, and this tool addresses the psoas. But if you address just that without addressing the iliacus, you're missing this hidden piece. And, and that's what this tool really provides is, you know, the ability to address both. Because the, the yeah, psoas sure. won't, won't, won't relax if the iliacus is still tight. Right. And I have a ton of, not a ton, I have a few psoas things. Like I did, uh, one of the things I do for the listeners of this show is we do uh, worldwide events where we get uh, the, a lot of entrepreneurs listen to the show and um, we go to different experiences for three, four days around the world. Um, and one of them we did domestically was we, we went to uh, Tom Brady's uh, trainer in Boston and uh, we shut down TB12 and we had his trainers train us. And one of the things they did was they introduced us to the SOAS. And, you know, we dug deep and all of us were just crying. But after that, I was like, wow, I never realized how important the SOAS muscle here is. So I've, I've purchased a few contraptions to help me with it. But here's the thing. When I use them, it definitely helps. And it lasts for maybe a day or two. But after that, I'm pretty hooked on it. it. It's not something that I feel, you know, like just do this once a week and then you can go to once a month and then just as needed. Like it's an almost an everyday thing. That's not the case with the hip hook. What I've noticed with the hip hook and using it is that number one, now when I lie on it, I 70% of the time lying on it have no pain before I, before I hook it. Um, unless I know I did something crazy like training really hard at the gym or whatever. And number two, I'm noticing that it's lasting, the, the correction is lasting longer. And I was wondering if maybe you could speak to that a bit. Yeah, I, <laughs> this is the beauty of the hip hook. I mean, I, I am so glad that all the other tools, uh, people have been experimenting with all these other tools because it's really set the stage for people understanding that they're achieving temporary relief. It's it's close, but it's not quite there because it's not addressing the iliacus. You know, like I mentioned, those two are are connected in that if one is tight and the other, you know, is not, the other one's gonna get tight. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, so so this is the beauty of um, you know, the hip hook. In my experience too, you know, when I was creating these prototypes and testing them out. I actually would have to wait for, you know, a good couple weeks before I could even test out the new prototype because my iliacus and my psoas were so relaxed after using the previous pro- mm. prototype. You know, and at this point in time, you know, I've, I've been the lucky one that's oh, that's had a hip hook <laughs> over yeah. these you know, last couple of years of me developing this product. You know, I, I maybe use it once a month, you know, and I'll use it for 
like a couple minutes and, and then I'm good because the muscle, you know, when it's dressed, when you're addressing both the psoas and the iliacus and you're addressing it with a tool that's effective, the results stay. Okay. Now, the iliacus muscle clearly is not as big as the psoas is, but it's, you know, it's not small either. It, it's running on the inside of the of the, uh, the pelvis. How do you recommend starting at the very crest of the ilium on the inside and slowly working your way down? In other words, you know, go through it, go through the exact steps, lie on it, hook it for two minutes and then go down a little further and then a little further. Do you recommend that as a strategy and then going to the next one? Yes, absolutely. I mean, there's actually quite a bit of real estate, um, you know, in the iliacus. Iliacus is maybe maybe three inches by four to five inches, depending on your, your, your body size. So if you think about that and it's, 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 it's a flat muscle. So, you know, it has quite a bit of real estate that you could potentially have a muscle knot in. So, you know, and this is one of the things that's interesting about using the hip hook is, you know, each time you go on it, each time you use it, you experience something slightly different. And that's because there is a lot of real estate to work with. Um, I do exactly what, and I recommend exactly what you described where, you know, you, you start at a spot, you're like, you find a good spot you're like, oh, this is good, you know, and you stay there and let it release. And then you move it, you know, maybe a, a couple of millimeters up or a couple of millimeters down or an inch here, inch there and work your way around that area. You can also choose to angle it, you know, so angle the handle a little bit more down towards your leg or a little bit more up towards your rib cage to kind of get at different aspects of those muscles. And the psoas, same thing. You know, the psoas has quite a bit of real estate as well. It's about maybe 12 inches in length and about, you know, an inch or two in diameter. So you're intentionally, just to make sure I'm, I'm, I'm getting this, you're intentionally targeting the psoas on, we'll call it step one, when you're lying on it. Yes. And then step two is now you're going into the iliacus. So it is really something that is doing both. Exactly. Okay. I was not aware of that. Okay, great. All right. So is it a bad idea to make it a part of your regular regime, you know, of just throwing it in your gym bag and, you know, as you, as you stretching when you're at the gym or whatever kind of exercise you do, is it a bad idea to regularly check it and release it or is too much of a good thing, not a good thing? It's absolutely a brilliant idea to have that as part of your regular wellness routine. The thing about this muscle is that uh, it's oftentimes tight way before it talks to you, you know, way before you're experiencing any symptoms or feeling any, any kind of tightness. And in fact, this is a really important point because people may, you know, may not realize that their iliacus and psoas is tight, but maybe they're experiencing you know, sciatica, or maybe they're experiencing low back pain, or maybe they're experiencing knee pain or foot pain. And they're not attributing that particular symptom to what's going on in their hip, of course, because who would, who would think that? Um, but very oftentimes there's this hidden tension in there that's changing the whole alignment of the pelvis and the way that the ball fits into the socket and the hip joint, which is really changing the way that the rest of the body is aligned and working. So the, it's kind of like, you know, this hidden 
gem, you know, this thing that is contributing to something that you may not even realize is there. You know, so from a wellness perspective, and especially if you're doing things that really challenge yourself in this area, you know, it's absolutely a brilliant idea to check in with that muscle, you know, on a regular basis and make sure that it's relaxed and happy. You know, happy muscles don't hurt. You know, so if you go in and you lie on the hip hook and you don't feel much, then that muscle's happy. <laughs> if you feel, if it feels really intense when you lie on the hip hook, then that muscle's not happy and needs your attention. That's a great way to look at it. One of the things that was interesting to me about this is getting out of it. You don't realize how hooked in you are when you have this thing, you know, full throttle in. <laughs> And getting out of it, I, you know, I, I sort of like did a push up to get out of it. And I was like, okay, well, that's not a great idea. Um, cause it was just hooked in really, really deep. So what I've learned is to roll myself on the side that it's hooking into and I can get out of it without pain. Is that the right way to do it? Yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. That's a great idea. Cause it okay, is cool. intense. You know, it does as it's, as it's sinking in there, you know, if you just push out of it, like, you know, jumping up out of bed, <laughs> you know, your body might like be, you know, might be a little, uh, you know, startled. Uh, but yeah, rolling out of it is, is a great idea, you know, kind of easing out of it because you've really put pressure and, re- and addressed an area of the body that likely has probably never seen the light of day, you know, never been touched before. Very few yeah. practitioners work on this area. So um, you want to give it some TLC. Yeah, you are hooked into this thing. Okay, cool. All right, so I want to switch gears a little bit and I want to talk about you coming up with uh, this idea. And, you know, you took it upon yourself to create a product that could directly help people with this. And to create that product, you know, this isn't easy. I mean, I've interviewed (laughs) many, many people who've created products there is a lot of entrepreneurial work and fortitude and and just everything to be able to bring a product like this to market. Did you have any idea what you were getting into when you started this? <laughs> I will say it's much easier to write a book than it is to develop a product. <laughs> and that's not so easy. It is a lot of work. You know, I actually, because I've, you know, I've run service-based businesses my whole life, being a physical therapist. I started a private school. You know, I've had a lot of service-based businesses. I had never developed any products, you know, including the book. You know, so those, it was a, my first time writing a book, my first time creating a product. Luckily, one of the things that I did get from my dad was an entrepreneurial spirit. And a, he was a very hard worker. And so I've incurred, you know, I've incurred those qualities, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is very useful for something like this because it really, like, literally every day there is a wrench thrown into the, you know, or something that I didn't really anticipate or something new that I have to learn. You know, I've been learning about different, you know, material science and, you know, design and manufacturing and, you know, just the whole process of, you know, how do you create packaging? You know, how do you communicate to your audience, you know, in a way that they can actually take this thing and actually use it? So there's just been so many pieces that I didn't realize. Um, You know, I thought, okay, I just designed the product and then I find a manufacturer and then they just make it and it, you know, take a couple months and (laughs) woohoo! 
yeah. you know, but it's not, it's not like that. They're, they're, you know, it's a whole different industry and there's just many things that come up along the way. However, I will say it's been so fun. You know, I have learned so much and, you know, just doing something. I was never really trained to be a product developer. You know, this isn't like, you know, I don't have any background in this, but all the things that I've learned along the way have really satisfied my quench for, for knowledge, you know, and learning new things. So... You know, I love how you've packaged this whole thing together. It's it's really a beautiful story, right? You know, the physical therapist who finds finds the secret but doesn't really have a way to do it, writes a book about it, creates the product, sharing it on social media. Everybody's excited about this thing, you know, coming down the uh, the pike. This is a really beautiful story. Um, and you have a lot to be um, proud of here. I, I mean that sincerely because I you. know what's involved in this. You really, you're doing it right. Your book is well written. Your product is a damn good product. Your social media is honest and ethical and funny. Um, <laughs> your your videos associated with them are kitschy. I mean, you got a lot right here. This is going to be an amazing launch for you. I really, really do believe that. Thank you. It means a lot for you to hear that from you. You are so welcome. Okay, we're going to move into the fulfillment part of the show. So some of these questions are going to be a little weird and coming out of left field. So just roll with it. Uh, the first one may not be so weird for you. Rumor has it that you played bass guitar in a band. How'd you get into that? <laughs> well, my ex-husband was a lead guitarist in a band and, you know, I was the manager, right? You know, of Ooh. course I was. <laughs> of I wanted to be on stage and bass is absolutely my favorite part of any musical number. So one of my girlfriends was hosting this event called Ladies Rock Camp and we formed bands and we all learned an instrument and I got to perform on stage and oh my gosh, I actually can just feel how good it felt right now thinking about that. <laughs> Amazing. Well, if you haven't already, watch, uh, watch David Foster's documentary on Netflix. Okay. It is compelling. You will love it if you're into music. I would love that. What is one rule that you have for yourself that you're never going to break? Hmm. I would say I've worked really hard to discover who I truly am. And I'm super committed to being that, which is probably what you were alluding to when you were talking mm -hmm. about the book and the social media presence. You know, I just feel like it's so important for all of us to just be our truest nature, be ourselves. And I just am not going to pretend to be anything else anymore. So that's I that. that. <laughs> I love that. And that comes, comes right through. What is an unusual or absurd thing that you love? Hmm. I absolutely love it. Get completely geeked out mm -hmm. when I finish a tube of toothpaste. I just finished one this morning and it's really funny because I had no reaction to it other, other than shit, I got to buy more. <laughs> Anytime you finish something to its completion, it could be like a pair of underwear that, ah. you, that actually, you know, has holes and you have to throw it out or, you know, like a tube of toothpaste is a great example or like you get that last little bit of mayo at the bottom of the, you know, it's just so satisfying. 
Oh, so you feel like you nailed it. You crushed it. Yeah. You did it. Yep. Okay. That's how you were able to bring this hip. That strategy allows you to bring this hip hook all the way home. <laughs> exactly. Because you know you're going to celebrate when that toothpaste. I love it. Okay, cool. What techniques or approaches do you have that may be counterintuitive to growing your business outside of just grinding away at it. A lot of people listen to the show are entrepreneurs and they just want to grind, 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 hustle, 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 right? Until their eyes bleed and they accomplish their goals. But sometimes that's not really the way it is. And there are counterintuitive things you can do. You can visualize, you can meditate. Like what is something counterintuitive that you do that you can almost say, my business has grown since doing this and I know it doesn't make any sense. Well, I would absolutely, I mean, I meditate twice a day and mm. that is absolutely the most important thing every human being should be doing. Um, I have amazing ideas that come out of meditation. I know that when I come out of meditation, I usually work right after I come out of meditation and that provides just so much more clarity. So I would say that, you know, that may seem like somewhat of a can. <laughs> response, but it's absolutely true. And then the other thing I'll add is that, and this is something I've had to learn how to do, is just to do nothing. (laughs) Because I am, it's not my nature. My nature is to constantly be doing something. And so I've learned to just like literally just lie down on my bed, like not read anything, not have any, you know, notebook or just, but just lay there. And just that kind of that, you know, rest of the mind, you know, just really does a lot for ideas to arise or thoughts to arise, or even just, you know, being able to come from that place into working again from just such a more clear and refreshed point of view. Yeah. It's a refresh. Sometimes our brain just keeps going. When we shut it off, we can get more connected to source. I love that. What's one goal that you thought when I achieve this goal, everything in my life is going to be amazing. And then you got it. And you were like, that did not do what I thought it was going to do. <laughs> hmm. I feel like I've had lots of those. <laughs> you know, I am such an optimist that a lot of my life I, I, I look at with such, um, you know, kind of joy. Um, but I would say, let's see. You know, I would say probably like accolades and awards. You know, there's something about when you're younger, you have this idea that, you know, some sort of status or some sort of, um, you know, if you achieve this award or you get this recognition that somehow you're going to feel good or feel like you, you, you have it. And I did that, you know, and experienced that. And ultimately, you know, it's really um, asking others for approval when it really is about, you know, self-approval, you know, and self-love. And ultimately, I think out of anything, what really allows people to experience or be in a place of, of center and be in a place of ex- you're really enjoying life is all about your relationship to yourself and your relationship to other people. So, you know, investing in, you know, improving your ability to have good relationships <laughs> In those two ways is probably more important than anything that you could do externally out in the world. Yeah, for sure. If you could spend one month anywhere in the world, where would it be and why? Absolutely India. I've wanted to go to India uh, my whole life and I have not made it there and probably won't for a while. Um, 
given the state of our <laughs> of our world. Yeah, right. Uh, but I'm super. I've always been really curious about that culture. I've studied a lot of the philosophy, and I just like to experience what it's like to actually be be there. You know, visit yeah. some of the temples and experience that. Yeah, for sure. This uh, this COVID situation has created a lot of cabin fever for yeah. us type <laughs> A personalities. I just booked uh, Cabo this morning uh, to go to a resort because you know it's uh, it's one of these like you know all inclusive big resort um, high end kind of place. But you know th- they're not going crazy with masks. And I just had a friend who was there. I got to get out and do yeah. something. So yeah, um, that's great. Okay, so. I'm going to ask you a couple of questions as we wrap here. This is sort of a first thing that comes to mind question. What would your friends say is one of your superpowers? (laughs) Well, it could be my laugh, Uh, (laughs) my smile and my laugh. I've actually had people come strangers come up to me, you know, they're like, Oh, we heard you laughing and you just have the best laugh. It just made me happy. So, (laughs) and then also I would say like master manifester, you know, like I just, for some reason was born with this skill of just like, okay, this is going to happen. And then it just does. So I was going to put that on my, my business cards, you know, master manifester. Ooh, I like that. That is good. Okay. Uh, do you collect anything or have you collected anything? I like to get rid of things. <laughs> mm, clearing out the clutter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What do people never ask you, but you wish they did? Yeah, I would say asking me about my meditation practice. You know, it's something that is something super personal. And, you know, I people know that I meditate, but, you know, it never doesn't come up in conversation enough. Mm-hmm. Is it TM that you do? Um, it's a Nilakanta meditation, which is very similar to TM. Yeah. Uh. Okay, cool. Um, what book have you reread the most? I love the book, The Wild Trees, which is all about the redwoods and people who climb up into the redwoods, scientists explore that. I think the redwoods are ultimately the most fascinating creature on this planet. <laughs> and that book is about these you know, super daring people that climb into the redwoods in order to understand the ecosystem there. And it's just fascinating. Love that. It's interesting. What's your uh, guilty pleasure? Uh, mochas, for sure. Mochas. <laughs> mochas, like like mochaccino mochas, like that kind of mocha? Yeah. Like, a, you know, I have this, actually, there's this... Um, brand called Clever, which they have this mocha powder that's made with oat milk and it has all these like amazing mushrooms in it that's, you know, adaptogenic and probiotics. And that's my pleasure. I put that in some water and it's like my go-to little, you know, thing that make me keep going during the day. Awesome. Is there a a brand that you recommend that we can link up in the show notes? Yeah, it's called Clever. It's C-L- Oh, it actually is called Clever. Yeah. Yep. All right. I love it. All right. Last question. We're going to change it up a little bit. What one question would you like to ask me? Um, out of all the things that you've experienced and all the people that you've spoken to, what has inspired the most personal change for you? God, that one just came right out of you, didn't it? That was good. What has, which person or which concept? Which concept? The concept came from, it was sort of tangentially from the guy who created the television show, Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, His name's Phil Rosenthal. 
And I can't remember the exact quote, but I remember how I felt after he was talking about it. And it was essentially, it was like a vibrational thing Mm -hmm. where tune into the radio station that plays the music that you want to hear and shut everything else off. Mm. So if you're trying to manifest something and there's a frequency associated with that manifestation, tune into that quote radio station and the rest of it just doesn't matter and play the music that you want to hear. And for whatever the reason is, that one went right through me. That's beautiful. Master manifester, you know, definitely approves of that one. (laughs) There we go. We're going to take this show on the road. We're going to make a new podcast, a master manifester. Awesome. Choose your radio station. Well, Christine, this has been awesome. Uh, Do you have any final words, uh, suggestions, or an ask for the people that are listening? You know, I would just say really when you're on your quest for health and wellness, really be on the lookout for the simple truths because ultimately health should not be complicated. When you find the source of the problem and you're not chasing the symptoms, health evolves with ease. So, you know, on your journey, focus on that. Um, and if you're interested in more information, of course, about the hip hook, the hiphook.com, you know, all the links will be included here. Book, tight hip twisted core. And I'm one of those, you know, being a, a you know, a Midwestern, you know, s- sweet little girl from the, <laughs> from the Midwest. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm absolutely available to anyone who has questions. I always try to get to my emails and respond to things on social media personally. You know, so if you have issues or questions, feel free to reach out to me. Awesome. Christine, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. All right. Thanks for listening. If you love this episode and you know someone that needs some help in either stepping up their work hard game or their play hard game, it would mean the world to me if you shared this podcast with them to help me get this movement out there. So if you like what you heard, head on over to iTunes, take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and I will be forever grateful. So until the next episode, excuses are over. It's time to live. Mm